0: We are studying now the Olivet Discourse from Luke 21. It's also recorded in Matthew 24 and in Mark 13. And each one of them gives a little bit more information so we can get the entire picture by studying them all together. But we are studying it from the book of Luke. And we are talking about the signs of the times. The disciples come to Jesus and they say to him, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign of your return? They want to know, how are we going to know that you are going to return? Now, Jesus wants to get some things clarified before he gives them the sign of his return. But he eventually does. He gives us what are the signs of the last days. It's interesting because when the scribes and Pharisees asked for a sign, Jesus rebuked them for asking. They were asking for a sign from heaven, but Jesus was... He had raised a little girl from the dead. He had raised the leader of a synagogue, Jairus in Capernaum's little girl from the dead. He calmed the waves. He was casting out demons. He healed a man who was born blind. And then they're like, well, give us a sign from heaven. <laughs> Jesus is like, how many you want? How many more signs? And these were the things the Old Testament said that the the poor would have the gospel preached to them, the blind would see, the lame would walk. Those were signs told in the Old Testament. Now here's Jesus and they're like, give us another sign from heaven. It'd be like if we could look at all the signs the Bible says about the last days and you look at them all and they're all identical and you go, Lord, give me another sign. And the Lord's like, ah, what's going on with you? So listen to what Jesus said. Now the disciples ask for a sign and he's going to give them the longest answer that he gave and we're not covering it all today. But he gives them the longest answer that he gave to any question in the Olivet Discourse. Here I want to read to you what he said when the scribes and Pharisees asked him for a sign from heaven. Now, they didn't receive enough signs. We know the problem. But here's what he said. This is Matthew 16:2 and 3. He answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites! You know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. So he rebuked them because there were all of these signs that Jesus was fulfilling that they didn't know how to discern, but they could discern the weather to some degree. So we want to know what the Bible says about the signs of the last days. We want to know whether or not they're happening, but we also want to know what we're supposed to do with that information because there are a lot of people who sensationalize the last days and the sign of the times and i'm not saying it's everybody but it's certainly a good number of people that sensationalize it in order to sell books they sensationalize it to get clicks in the in the day that we are living in when people want as much interaction as they can when companies make money on clicks And people make money on their stuff being viewed. They want it to be viewed the most they can. And so they will sensationalize things. And we're going to see that we just need to stay away from the sensational. Remember, Jesus said in the study we studied last week, he said when they asked this question, the first thing Jesus said was, be careful that you are not deceived. For many deceivers are going to go out in the world. And they're going to say, I am he, I'm the Christ, and the time is near don't go after them so right away Jesus says there's going to be a lot of deception in people saying the time is near and I I spoke of the great disappointment last week where in 1844 William Miller said that Jesus was coming back before 1844 1844 came and went and he didn't come back and people had not plowed their fields they stopped working they gave all their money away because they were it was a good story he had a chart and everybody could look at the chart and go, yeah, Jesus is coming back in 1844. They believed it, but yet the Bible says a man that does not provide for his family is worse than an unbeliever. And so here were these people that believed the story chart and they didn't provide for their family. This led to the great disappointment where a lot of people left the faith and a lot of people are not were not willing to look at the Bible at all because they had bought the story. It's like story stocks. You ever bought a story stock? And, and then you lost money on it. Well, you probably don't want to tell those stories. You always want to tell the stories that you make money on stocks. But story stocks are ones you don't buy. When someone gives you a big, long story about how good this stock is going to be, you go, no, I'm buying Coke instead. That's what you do. You go buy that blue chick stock and you forget about the story stock. So when people tell stories about the return of Jesus, don't buy into it. When they're talking about a certain date. We're, we're living very close to the next date being set. We are just a decade away from the Olivet Discourse and the crucifixion of Jesus happening 2,000 years ago. That's a good round number. And I found that people who sensationalize things like round numbers. They're like Jesus was crucified. It's 32 or 33, depending on when, where, where you look at it. Just people have different reasons for doing that. Let's just say it's 32. So people are going to go, well, we're only a decade away from, from 32. Uh, 2032 2,000 years after christ he's going to come back in 2032 and they'll give reasons why they think that's the case then they got to subtract seven years it's 2025 and and i've already read this there's already people doing this and there are people who are going to believe it they're going to be writing books and telling you that jesus is coming back in 2025 and they're going to have the signs in the skies and the shemitah and all of the things that are going on with it and i'm just saying be careful we want to know the signs of the times but we don't want to stop living for Christ or living our life how we're supposed to because we're caught up by these stories. Listen to what Jesus said to his disciples when they asked this question. Again, the question, when are these things going to be? The destruction of the temple and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? There's two different questions there. So Jesus says, they might have thought it was one, by the way, but there's two questions there. Uh, So Jesus said in verse nine, but you will hear of wars and commotions do not be terrified for these things must come to pass but the end will not come immediately he wanted them to know that there was going to be a gap between the time that they asked that question and when the end would be he wanted to give them information about that now by the time the the epistles were being written which was within 16-17 years the first epistles were written The latest ones were within 30, 35 years of the Olivet Discourse. By the time the letters were being written, they were already going now. Well, Jesus said the end won't come immediately, but it's been three decades, you know, or two decades. Jesus could come back at any moment. And so they started writing things like make the most of your time because the days are short. And I think that they were they were inspired by the spirit to write that because that's the way we're supposed to live. We are supposed to live as if Christ could come back at any moment. Jesus told several parables along those lines. He told the parables about the 10 widows. Five of them had oil and five of them didn't. And when the bridegroom showed up, the five that had oil were taken and the other ones were left. And they didn't have time to go buy oil. Oil is the Holy Spirit. If you are ready when he returns, you will go to be with Christ. If you are not ready, you won't have time to get ready. That's the point of that parable. So be ready. Always be ready. And the more so that you see the signs of the times, be ready. Ready. That's the proper response to the things Jesus talked about are happening. Therefore, I need to be ready. That's the proper response. The proper response isn't to sell everything you've got and give it to the ministry that came out with the latest book on blood moons. All right. I'm just saying. We'll talk a little bit about signs in the heavens as well. So why so long? We're we're a decade away. Jesus said it's not going to happen immediately. We're a decade away from being 2,000 years since Jesus gave this, these prophecies about what the last days are going to be like. I don't know if you know that or not, but that's a long time. That's a lot of lifetimes, a lot of generations that fit into 2,000 years. So why is God waiting so long? Well, Peter deals with it in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. He says, but beloved, do not forget this one thing that with the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. His first point is that God isn't affected by time the way that we are. To us, it's 2,000 years. To God, it's a couple of days. That's the first point. The second point, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. God hasn't forgot about it, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should uh, perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's desire is that more people get saved. You and I can be really glad that he didn't come back 80 years ago, because... The vast majority of us wouldn't be in Christ just 80 years ago. So we want Him to wait. We want more people to get saved. Yes, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But I would rather Him wait and see more people come to Christ than for Him to return in my lifetime. And God's going to wait till the very last moment. This is really important for us to understand. It's not like God set a date and then said, I'm coming back on this date. The Bible says that he shortened the days. He wanted to let wait longer, but because man is going to destroy himself, that f- no flesh is going to remain on the earth, the Bible says, he shortened the days. So something's going to happen. I don't know whether it's a nuclear war or some kind of a new weapon or whether the earth's going to be destroyed or something, but God's like, I got I to gotta move the days up. I can't wait. Otherwise, there's going to be no flesh on the earth. They're all going to be gone. So this world is marching towards a destruction and God will intervene before that destruction. There's an example in the Old Testament. There's a prophet by the name of Enoch. uh, Enoch had a son that he named Methuselah. Methuselah literally means when he dies, it will take place. That's a really long name for a kid. When he dies, it will take place. Come on in for dinner. When he dies, it will take place. Leave your sister alone. So Methuselah lived longer than anybody. So when he dies, it will take place, lives longer than anybody. And if you go and you map it out, Methuselah died the year of the flood. So God was bringing judgment. The Bible says that God judged the world because of violence. Violence was around the world in the days of the flood. And so he judged the world because of violence. But God, the guy that was going to be the sign when it was going to happen, he lived longer than anybody else because God is more gracious than any man. Because God wants to see people come to Christ. So why has it been so long? Because God wants to see people, more people saved. And that should be our heart too. We shouldn't be just like, I want Jesus to come back now. And I don't care who dies. We should be like, we want to see people come to Christ. We want to live our lives in such a way. The more we see those signs help us to occupy in a proper way and live the way we're supposed to, which is what he goes on to say here. He says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. It's going to come at a time people don't expect it. You and I, Thessalonians tells us, are not in the dark that he he comes like a thief in the night. We're going to go, the Bible said this would be the last days, that would be the last days, that would be the last days. So even though we don't know when Christ is going to return, the date he's going to return, we are not surprised when he shows up because we're waiting for him. Just like if you've been watching somebody case your house. You're like, I think they're going to break in. So you stay up all night and wait for him. You don't know what time they're going to show up. But when they come through the door, you go, you better get back out of there. The guy goes. Why? Because you were ready. That's what Jesus wants for us. It's not going to be like a thief in the night to us because we're going to be ready because we're going to look at the signs of the times, which we have been told. Not to sensationalize things, but so we would be ready. He goes on to say here that um, the... uh, The Lord's gonna come like a thief in the night which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and all godliness looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord? That word hastening there, how can we hasten the coming of Christ? That's been, the, the word also can mean eagerly awaiting. So the the worse the world gets, the more we're going to go, we really want Christ to return. And then it goes on, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being a fire, and the element will melt away with fervent heat. This whole world's going to be destroyed. So what kind of person should you be? How should you be living? That's the whole point. Now, we come to Jesus in verse 10. Uh, Well, let's start in verse 9. Um, But when you hear of commotions and be terrified... These things must come to pass, but the end will not come immediately. So we know there's going to be a gap and we're living in that gap today. Then he gives us signs and these have been called signs of the times. And then other people say, well, they're not signs of the times at all. And the truth is in the middle. These are the characteristics of the birth pains. If I asked you ladies to describe, give me five descriptions of what birth pains are like and we compared them all, they'd probably be pretty close. There might be some outliers, but you ladies are pretty good at saying this is what a birth pain is like when it happens. Well, these things are what happens in birth pains. It is true they will intensify over time because the birth pains are going to intensify. But there are going to be times where these things will calm down. Just like a birth pain comes to an end and there's a gap before the next birth pain. So these things will calm down. So what we're looking at really is the signs of a birth pain instead of the signs of the time, although they are increasing over time. So we're expecting that when Jesus said, this is a sign of the last days, we're expecting it to be increased and to go in waves, to be greater and and less over time. All right. So the first thing that he says is that nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And Matthew is going to say, these are birth pains. So war is, is one of the characteristics of birth pains. And since the time of Jesus, war has done nothing but increase. We have a war going on right now. I remember when we uh, invaded Kuwait after Saddam Hussein had invaded Kuwait and was wanting the oil field. Uh, that, we had Thursday night services back then. And I remember going into church and going, this place is standing room only. People were freaked out. There's a war. In the Middle East, in Babylon, Bible says a lot about that. So all of a sudden, people were packing out the church. So in the 18th century, excuse me, in the 20th century, the 1900s, there was more people killed by war than ever before. I heard the statement, but I can't verify it. That there were more people killed by war in the 20th century than all the other centuries combined. I don't know whether that's true. I've heard it, but you know, people say a lot of things that. Later on, you find out, eh, I don't know. But here's what I did find. There were 180 million soldiers killed in the 20th century. 180 million soldiers. And then there were another 150 million that were killed as casualties or genocide. Either as casualties of war or by mass murder and genocide. The mass murders and genocide, the three places it took place the worst was in North Korea, China, and Russia. Although we do know there was mass genocide in Germany and Italy as well. That's 330 million people that died because of war in the 20th century. Now you may point out and go, well, there haven't been that many in the 21st century, but we're only a fifth of the way through this century. And on top of that, it's birth pains. So this is a birth pain where things swell up and then they calm down. And so just because there's a period of calming down doesn't mean it's not a sign of the times. We have a war taking place right now where Russia is invading Ukraine. We've got Russia, Iran having ports in Syria that has a border with Israel. And the Bible in the Old Testament tells us that Russia and Persia and Libya all attack Israel and they are... Have ports with a border there, even now, as we are speaking. So, this I think is is a characteristic of the birth pain. Uh, The next it says, there will be great earthquakes in various places. Now, this is really important. It doesn't say that earthquakes will be the characteristic of the birth pain. Listen to it again. There will be great earthquakes in various places. So, it's the greatness of the earthquakes that is the characteristic of the birth pain not just earthquakes. So scientists today will say that earthquakes have not been increasing. We now have the technology to detect earthquakes like never before. In fact, you can purchase an app on your phone for earthquakes and it will send you a notification every time there's an earthquake in the world. I downloaded that app a year ago or so. I had it on my, my phone, my watch. You know, it'll pop up and give me a little buzz. I'd be like, another earthquake. But I got annoyed with it. Another, another earthquake. How many earthquakes are there every day? This is crazy. It's a it's a big world and there's a lot of earthquakes, and there is an investment in certain groups wanting earthquakes to increase. One of those would be Christians because Jesus said that great earthquakes, in various places, were going to increase. So that's Christians. But also the climate control group say that climate control, that, that climate disaster today is going to cause increased earthquakes. And scientists today say it hasn't really happened. By the way, when we talk about climate change, that's not global warming anymore. It's climate change. However, we are in global warming and we are in climate change because 5,000 years ago we were in an ice age. And And even if we stop all of what we're doing, and we humans may be affecting it. I'm not saying we're not. I'm simply saying if we stop all that we're doing, the earth is still going to heat up because it's still, unless something changes, unless there's a radical change, that changes it or jesus comes back and then it'll fix everything because we'll have a new heavens and we'll have a new earth um so you can do your own study and, and and christians have done this and so have people in the climate change group where they've gone back and they've looked at, at earthquakes above 6.0 in the last 30 years the data is out there in fact it's not complicated you can do it yourself you can just go and see all of them that are above a 6.0 magnitude and you can find out how many there were in the decade of the 80s, the 90s, the aughts, and the teens. And you see that they've increased. And sci- what our scientists are saying is, they increase, but they're not above the norm of increases. In other words, they increase and they decrease, and it's not above the norm, so they really haven't increased. In 2000, th- They say that there is an average, I'm, and they here is scientists who study earthquakes. That's they. So this is a pretty important they. This isn't some subset on the Internet that say it, like they, but it's a different they. This is they with an authority. They say that there is one major earthquake per year, that that's the average. One major earthquake per year. And by major, they mean anything over uh, 7.5. I think that's the number that they used. Uh, in, no, I think it was eight. Actually, it was eight. So 8.0 magnitude earthquake uh, and above, there's one a year. In 2004, there were four. In 2021, which is the last year, there were three. So you do see this increase when you look at it. But I got interested as I was, I was looking into these things. What's the biggest earthquake that's ever happened? What's the biggest earthquake that ever happened on the earth and when did it happen? And so as I started searching that, I found a website that talked about the top five earthquakes. And I found that the, the top five have all happened in the last 70 years. The oldest one was 50 years ago. No, excuse me, 70 years ago in 1952. And that was a 9.0. And the top of the scale is 10. Now, I made that statement last night and then I questioned myself. So if you know and I'm wrong, let me know, all right? Although by this point, I got one more study. I might as well be wrong in the last study if I'm wrong about it. But the top of the scale is 10. So there was a 9.0 in Indonesia in 1952. Then there was a 9.1. This is in the order of their magnitude. I'm going from the 5th to the to the most powerful there was a 9.1 in japan you guys are going to remember this one it was in 2011 so you think back to the devastation of that 9.1 that happened in 2011 there was a 9.2 actually two of them one in 2004 and one in 1964 in indonesia 2004 there was a 9.2 and in alaska in 1964 uh, there was a 9.2 and then in 1960 there is the strongest earthquake to ever hit the earth and it was in chile and it was a 9.5 which was a significant earthquake so the biggest earthquakes to have happened two of them have happened in 2004 and 2011 in the century that we are living in today so i think the case could be made for what jesus said that great earthquakes in various places it's the great earthquakes that matter in various places and when you see a big earthquake it's supposed to make you think, we're living in the last days. That's what, what, what Jesus is telling us. Now, famines uh, in the 20th century as well. The first thing that we should understand about famines is, is that science, the science of agriculture, being able to, to grow food, science has brought us to a place where we can feed everybody on earth. In fact, we could double, triple the number of people on earth and still feed them. So the fact that there were famines in the 20th century when we had all of the technology that we needed to feed everybody in the world tells you it was because of the corrupt heart of men that there were famines in the world. There were famines in Russia. There were famines in China. There were famines in Africa, which we all knew about, but they weren't the greatest famines of the 20th century. In Africa, you remember all the commercials in the 70s? I remember they had the care food, do you remember that? It was just the kind of like gray food they'd plop on plates for these kids to eat in Africa. So I made a rice dish for my kids out of cream and mushroom soup and tuna fish and they called it care food. Because it just, and so because they called it care food, I would plop it on gimme your, plop. There's your food, go ahead and eat that. It was actually delicious by the way. I still make a version of it today with macaroni and cheese. It's still good. The care food is still delicious. Um, we sent, are a lot of commercials, raised a lot of money, sent a lot of food to Africa during the famine in the 70s in Africa. We sent enough food to feed everybody in Africa five times over, but the food never got, people still died because the warlords got the food, let it rot in warehouses because it was wealth to them. Imagine the wickedness of a man who wants his control over a certain area that he will let children die when he has the food and the means to get the food to the people. So that's what's going on when it comes to famine. And there were greater famines in the 20th century than there had ever been before, even though we had the technology to take care of it. We're also on the brink of a famine today. There are, it's said that there are 30 million people who are starving to death as we speak in the world. And there are 100 million that are affected by famines today. Now there are seven billion people on the planet Earth. So it seems like a small number comparatively, but we're also talking about food shortages. And if food shortages hit places like the United States, what do you think it's going to do in third world countries? If we're, if our shelves are, are going to be empty, which they're still saying they are, what is it going to do around the world? And we may have the ability to be able to rally and get food here for the United States, but it's going to affect people around the world. So. Famines are definitely increasing and they are characteristic of the birth pain. The next one is pestilence. And I don't know that we even really need to talk about it. We just went through a pestilence. Um, and China today still has people locked up because of COVID, which makes me wonder. I'll tell you, there's two different things I wonder about it. And I might get myself in trouble right now, all right? So you're probably going to want to listen because I could get in trouble for this. The, um, in this whole section on pestilence, um, there's a couple things I wonder about China. Number one, why did we copy China and lock everybody down? John Hopkins came out with a study that we killed more people by locking them down instead of just encouraging people that were at risk to make sure that they isolated themselves. That there were more deaths that were caused by it. It just seems like, why do, it's a disease that's caught by being close to people. So let's lock everybody up together. Didn't somebody somewhere go, maybe we shouldn't copy the communists Maybe we just shouldn't do what the communists do. They were welding people into their homes. And there are certain people who would weld people in their homes today. I didn't do that to try to get an applause, just so you know. The the second thing that I wonder is what does China know about COVID that we don't know? Why are they still locking down people when it's a mild disease at this moment? Now, I don't know. I'm just saying I wonder about that. When that is the case, we there's still bird avian flu. There's still SARS and Mars are are around us. We're still dealing with that, including the new case of monkeypox. And here I'm going to get in trouble again because monkeypox is um, it's as close to an STD as you can get. You can't get any closer. They don't call it an STD, but that's the way it's transmitted. And it's happening in male homosexual communities because of the promiscuity. And, and we're told today whenever you bring that up this is why I'm going to get in trouble because they're going to say well you know just two men just love each other that's what homosexuality is when it's not it's, it's, it's something that's different than that and we're being sold that but why is it that AIDS goes through the male homosexual community first and then spreads to the major population and why monkeypox is now there in the male, commu- in the male areas today and um, they're talking about locking up certain places when maybe they should talk about behavioral changes that take place. So if I'm arrested, you'll know why. Or (laughs) I guess they won't arrest me, but I could get a lot of attacks, which I'll take. Um, So I got some reading for you if you're interested to really being grossed out. The World Health Organization comes out with articles about different diseases that are happening around the world, pestilences that are happening. And I just printed off the last few pages last few months of articles they put together let me just read you a few of these in July 22nd just a week or so ago right a little over a week I guess there's something called the Marburg virus in Guyana in uh, July 20 there's a cholera outbreak in Somalia there's a severe acute hepatitis among children in multiple countries in July 4th they talk about the Ebola virus, which happens in the Congo, which happens a lot, it seems, in the Congo. There's an update on the multi-country monkeypox outbreak, which you find every third article in here is about that. On June 24th, there's another secure um, outbreak of hepatitis uh, in multiple countries. There's a um, polio virus in Mozambique, and this was June 23rd. There's um, another update for monkeypox. There's cholera a cholera outbreak in Pakistan. So, I mean, these are all things that, again, given our day and I won't continue on because it's more of the same. But these are all things that given our technology, given the advances of science in the medical community, we should not have these outbreaks. But there's reasons, again, by the corruptness of men's heart that these things are happening. Just as Jesus said, these are going to be the increase and the birth pain aspect of these are a sign of the times. It also says, Jesus also went on to say, there will be fearful sights. And I don't know what that all entails. What I think of is 2020, when everything is shut down and there's riots in the streets and burning down buildings, but it's mostly safe. It's mostly peaceful, that's what they said. Mostly peaceful while they're destroying, looting, and burning night after night after night. Fearful sight, maybe there's some other things. And great signs in the heavens. Now, I don't know that we've had any great signs in the heavens, but there are some events that people point to. A certain alignment of constellations, a certain alignment of planets, and then there's the blood-moon triads, and you've probably heard something about them. So let me just break down the blood moon triads because this might be a sign. It might not be, but it might be. So it's not a surprise that you will get an eclipse on a, on a Jewish festival because Jewish festivals are held on full moons. This is what they don't tell you. It's like, why don't you just tell people this? So if Jewish festivals are held on full moons. And so on a full moon, you get, an, you get more eclipses. Just where the, the moon is, where the earth is, and the shadow falls across the moon. And so in, and this happens rarely where there are four blood moons in a row that fall on Jewish holidays. So you've got Israel connected because they're Jewish holidays. So in, in the 40s, 1940s, there were four blood moons that happened on Jewish holidays consecutively. And Israel became a nation. Then in, 60, in the 60s, there were four blood moons that happened in a row on Jewish holidays and Israel took Jerusalem for the very first time. And then in 2014, there were four blood moons in a row. And you guys may remember that because this was the the most deal was made of it. There were four blood moons in a row on Jewish holidays. And I don't know that anything happened significant. They say that rockets were fired fired into Jerusalem. There was an uprising between Hamas and Israel. You may remember during that time. And that doesn't seem to me to be as significant as Jerusalem and Israel becoming a nation, Jerusalem. Then they say, well, it was right before COVID. We have COVID-19. Because it came out in 2019 And that that was what happened And Israel was greatly affected One of the nations that was affected most by COVID And I think that's true I think they were affected I don't know if they were affected most But they were affected by it in a great way So maybe that's it But I look at those and go I don't know Maybe they're signs Maybe they're not It seems to me that if they had another triad It would be something really significant that would happen And I think we're too far past 14 and 15 For anything significant to happen maybe maybe I'm just being too I am very skeptical people tell me things I'm a skeptical person so maybe I'm just being too skeptical and they they really are some kind of signs now there's one more and then I want to just kind of go over some of the other signs of the times and then we'll close but Luke 21 12 through 19 tells us of one more characteristic of these birth pains but before all these things they will lay their hands on you and persecute you delivering you up into the synagogues and prisons Now, there was early Jewish persecution of Christians. Paul was a part of that. Paul was a part of synagogues that tracked down Christians, cast lots to have them killed, and and threw them in jail. He even went to other cities to find them, and that's where he gave his life to the Lord and became uh, uh, became a leader, not a litter, a leader in the actual group he was persecuting. So this is very early, but then it goes to later on. But you will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake, But it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle in your hearts not to meditate beforehand what you will answer. For I will give you a mouth of wisdom. And this is Jesus speaking. I will give you a mouth of wisdom, which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. They will put some of you to death and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But not a hair on your head shall be lost. He already said some of you will die so he's not saying you won't die he's saying if you're martyred for christ and if you are persecuted for him you will not lose anything by it because you will be blessed as a martyr he goes on to say by your patience possess your souls so persecution in the world today christian persecution is heavy still in china has been for the last hundred years Um, north uh korea has been for the last hundred years but still a lot of persecution in, um, in, in Russia. Same thing uh, around the world. There's a hatred of Christians in Europe and in England, much more so than in the United States, although the United States is beginning to catch up. So we're not surprised that people hate us just because we're Christians. They just because we're Christians, they hate us. They hate us. And you guys experienced it, some of you guys did when you were in high school and college, because a lot of the hatred came from professors Who were picking on kids so this is just part of the characteristic so when we look at this and we go there's a hundred thousand or so uh, christians who are killed every year for their faith Uh, maybe even more than that right now because the numbers are a little sketchy at this point Uh, so one in nine uh, people are affected uh, by persecution severe persecution One, one in nine christians are affected by severe persecution so we could look at these birth pains and see that they have intensified And that we're kind of in the middle of one now because all these things are going crazy. But what else does the Bible say about the signs of the last days? These are interesting. The Bible talks about inflation in the last days. Just because we're living in it. Do I think this is the last bit of inflation before Jesus comes back? I don't know. Probably not. But it's just interesting. We're talking about the signs of the times. Inflation. The love of many will grow cold. Seems there's greater hatred today than any others. In fact, when Jesus says kingdom will fight against kingdom and nation against nation, the words for kingdom there are the word ethnos in Greek, and it means people group. That's what it means. So people group will fight against people group. And there's great hatred in the world today, not only in America between people groups, but in China, in Indonesia, there are these people groups have slight differences, but they hate one another. And are killing one another. The love of many will grow cold. The Bible says in the last days. Lawlessness will increase in the last days. False teachers we talked about last week. There will be a great apostasy. There's a movement now. The progressive church. And there it's actually happening in churches in Tucson now. Where churches are turning towards. And progressive Christianity doesn't believe in the inerrancy of scripture. Doesn't believe in the authority of scripture doesn't believe in the resurrection of Christ they're like well this is just a type of a a kind a picture of what the resurrection is going to be like Jesus never resurrected and what happens when churches start doing that pretty soon if you came here and I told you guys listen Jesus didn't really rise from the dead and the Bible's not an authoritative book what really has authority is your heart follow your heart you're going to do good things if you follow your heart Within a couple weeks from now, you're going to wake up on Sunday morning and go, why should I go to church? If If the Bible doesn't have any authority, and my heart's got more authority than the Bible, and Jesus didn't really rise from the dead, you know what? Let's go to the park. I'm going to lay in bed here for a while on Sunday morning. I get up every day and go to work. I'm going to lay in bed. And that's what happens to liberal and progressive churches. They die. One guy says it's just a door out of the church. You just open up the door to enter into progressive Christianity. Because you're like well god is all love god's not angry god's all love i I, that's my, my heart tells me and so you walk away from him the great apostasy scoffers will arise we talked about that the gospel will be preached to all the world and then the end will come that's really the only sign that we have of when christ is going to return when the gospel will be preached to every nation and spoiler alert There's an angel that flies through the heavens preaching the gospel to every nations in the book of Revelation. It's like, I think God had to move the time up and we couldn't get the work done. And so God had to go into plan B. Also, uh, people will be lovers of themselves in the last days, lovers of money in the last days. They will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God in the last days. There will be an increase of knowledge and travel. Daniel was told in Daniel chapter 12, after talking about the end of the world, he said, seal these things up till the time of the end when knowledge will increase and men will go back and forth on the earth. Knowledge is increasing at an incredible rate and we are traveling all around the world today. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars, probably more than blood moon triads. Taking, uh, there will be uh, talk of peace and safety because the Bible says when they say peace and safety, sudden destruction comes upon them. This is probably connected to the peace treaty with Israel. The Antichrist makes a peace treaty with Israel and the whole world is like peace in the Middle East. This is, it could, it's the end of the world. And you're right, it's the end of the world. When they say peace and safety, uh, it will come upon them. So, so how should we live then? If these signs are the last days, Israel's a nation again, all of these signs are there and we look around us and go, well, these are the signs of our times. Are we like the scribes and Pharisees? We couldn't determine the signs of our times. These are the signs of our times. So what does God want us to do with that? First of all, Jesus said, occupy until I come. We're not supposed to sell our houses or stop working our jobs, not supposed to stop providing for our families. We we occupy. Because what if this is just a birth pain and everything's going to calm down and it doesn't happen in your lifetime? Then you are not living. it's, It's not a pleasing thing to Christ for you to get so caught up in somebody sensationalizing the end of the world that you no longer are living your life the way the light shining as a light shining for people around you taking care of your family right because for a man not to provide for his family is worse than a non-believer so you do these things even though you're looking and going we can't be far from the end because for all you know the birth pain will stop and so you occupy until he comes the next thing that we're told is to watch and pray that you would be counted worthy to escape all of these things that are going to come up on the earth. So we're watching. We're looking at the events happening and going, this is like the end of the world. And so then we pray that we would be counted worthy to escape. And I'll even add that our our family, friends, co-workers, that they'd be counted worthy to escape as well. So I can escape the things coming on the earth in the last days. And people say to me, well, you're just an American that wants to escape. What gave you the first clue? (laughs) Yes, I don't want to go through the worst time this world will ever see. I would rather it be, I would rather wait and have more people come to Christ. But God brings it to the very last moment. So we are to watch and pray. Pray for people as we see these signs. That's what they should do for us. They're not for us to go, I'm going to stop working. I'm going to, you know, whatever. It's, we, we, we begin to really pray. We begin to really shine as a light for Christ. Because the last days are upon us. And then he gives two things that the, the, the epistles wrote. One of them was redeem the time because the days are evil. They had evil days. When that was written, Nero was probably the emperor. The days were evil. We have evil days among us. So redeem the time. Make good decisions with your time. The second thing it says is make the most of your time because the end is near or the days are short. That's literally what it says. Make the most of your time because the days are short. So when we see these signs around us, do we make the most of them? That's what we do. And the warning of Jesus stands. There are going to be false teachers who are going to say, I am the Christ and the time is near. Don't follow them. If you do a search on the end of the world, the last days, the signs of the times, some of the first search, searches that are going to come up, search results that are going to come up are the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the Jehovah Witnesses. Because they've learned to sensationalize these things because they know that they get people. They know people will respond when they do it. And we want to make sure we're as far away from that as we can. Using the signs of the times as we should, but living for Christ now, occupying, filled with the Spirit, being used by Him as effectively as we can during these last days. Stand with me, would you? And let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you as we've taken time to really look at these things and to see what your word says about how we are supposed to live and that these signs are taking place. And it's, this is like a prophecy update. We do see that almost all of these things, maybe not the peace and safety, but all of these things are taking place in our day. And so, Lord, we want to live and occupy properly until you come. And we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.